And we welcome you to the Tuesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. It's a tremendous pleasure for me to be reconnecting today on the morning show uh, with a friend and former colleague from Carthage College. Uh, for, for some years, uh, Bill Kuhn was a highly regarded member of the history faculty at Carthage. And we actually uh, worked in the same building, the Johnson Art Center. And so I would cross paths with Bill quite, quite often and, uh, and actually had the great pleasure of interviewing him uh, on this program on several occasions. I think the very first time was when we had a conversation about British royalty. And uh, Professor Kuhn did such a good job of explaining sort of the ins and outs of, of how uh, sort of the royal family is put together and lines of succession and so on. I believe we had a couple of follow-up conversations also related to the British monarchy. I think one of them not long after Princess Diana uh, was killed uh, and also a conversation not long after the Queen Mother passed away. Um, most recently, I spoke to Bill Kuhn about a marvelous book that he wrote called Reading Jackie, which focused very specifically on largely unexamined later years in Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis's life uh, in which she worked as a book editor. And it's one of those things that would be mentioned in biographies of her, but scarcely more than that. And uh, it was an experience that was very important to her. And uh, Bill Kuhn did a wonderful job of meticulously researching what that experience was like for her and what it meant to her. Today, we're talking once again with Bill Kuhn about his most recent book, which is called Jackie Stories. And it is, in a sense, sort of a sequel to that previous book, Reading Jackie. It is a book in which Bill Kuhn shares with us uh, various reminiscences from some of the friends and colleagues of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, uh, with whom he spoke in researching that previous book and all kinds of material that either was not specifically relevant to that book or for reasons of limitations of space could not be part of that book. And so they are part of this new collection, again called Jackie Stories. And there are eight chapters in all uh, in which Bill Kuhn shares some of what uh, he learned from various friends of, of, of Jackie. And, uh, and in some cases, because he maintained connection with them even after that previous book was published, uh, this book includes uh, even excerpts and stories that come from more recent conversations. And I'm just so delighted to be able to reconnect with the Bill Kuhn and talk with him about his latest book, again titled Jackie Stories. Bill Kuhn, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you, Greg. I'm, I'm very glad to be here. And I'm sorry I'm no longer right down the hall of the JAC from here. <laughs> You are missed. You are very, very much missed. You make your home, we should say, in Boston. And I believe you left Carthage and relocated to Boston, at least in part, because of this exciting project, the writing of the book, uh, Reading Jackie, and the research that was involved in putting that book together. Uh, before we get to your most recent book, uh, remind our listeners and, and, and tell our listeners who missed our first interview uh, a little bit about what drew you to that project, that is to write that book called Reading Jackie. What did you think would be the buried treasure in that particular story? Well, 
you know, it it came off of a it was a rebound off of a after a low actually, um, because I'd written a book about Benjamin Disraeli, who was a kind of a mid nineteenth century prime minister of of Great Britain, um, and it had had um, one or two hostile reviews, uh, especially in the UK. And it really made me angry. <laughs> I just thought, okay, I've had it with British history. I'm going to do something else for a while. And I was in the stacks of um, the London Library. It was the summer. Um, and I came across a, a catalog uh, of Jackie's dresses that was part of an exhibition at the Kennedy Library that went to the Met. And that was the first time that I'd I'd ever heard in the introduction to that catalog that Jackie had this two decade long editorial career and that she'd worked on some fairly serious books in this in, in this career. And I thought, hang on a minute. I didn't know anything about that. And um, so, I, you know, I began digging a little bit deeper and it, it turned out that she did 100 books. Um, and these books are on all sorts of interesting topics. They're on women's history. They're on the politics of the White House era. They're on fashion. They're on dance. They're on court history, the history of the of, of European monarchies, which was my own uh, field. And it suddenly occurred to me, look, you could write Jackie's story through the lens of those hundred books that she did. And um, so that was that was what I that's what that's what I set out to do, and um, that was the book that came out in um, in two thousand and ten. At the time that you wrote that book, how would you describe your? I was going to say your relationship with Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the right word, is it? Uh, what 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 did you think about her or feel about her? I mean, what was the level of your just sort of amateur interest before this specific project sort of took hold of your imagination? No, that's a good question. And the reason why it's a good question is because in that catalog of her dresses, what came, to, came back to me so powerfully was the kind of clothes that my mother wore in the 60s and 70s. And she didn't wear couture stuff, but if you remember back to that era, you know, there would be cheap knockoff department store versions of what Jackie wore that were available to middle-class moms. <laughs> and I just remembered my mother wearing stuff like that. And so <clears throat> that, was, that was one of my connections uh, to Jackie, that she was the same age as my mother. They wore similar clothes. And I think, you know, my mother, you know, after... Uh, my brother and I went away to college. My, my mother went back to art school and she eventually ended up starting a small art gallery. And I think a lot of her inspiration was Jackie because Jackie too got this kind of editing career and this publishing career after her children were grown, after Onassis was divorced and dead. Um, and I think she, you know, in an earlier era of the of the women's movement, Jackie provided some inspiration for people who thought, "Look, you can go back and work after you've been a after you've been a mother." Hmm. You can write a new chapter. Yeah. One of the reasons I asked you about, you know, what you had thought of uh, uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis uh, before you began writing that that previous book 
uh, is because one of the things you say about this newest book, Jackie Stories, is that you have come away from revisiting these stories and, and anecdotes about her with a view of her that is more critical than the one that you had before. And that's that true. Have, and you've also say something at one point about how you are able to think about her and look at her with a new or greater sense of detachment than before. And it, it seems to me that if you had started all of this as somebody who just kind of worshiped the ground that, that Jackie walked on, then that would have been probably a, a fairly uncomfortable, maybe even painful process for you. Mm -hmm. But maybe because you didn't start at that point, uh, it, it didn't feel particularly painful or, or, or disagreeable or unpleasant to, to find yourself looking at her in, in a very different way. Is, is that right? Is that fair to say? I think, I think that's, that's, that is right. I mean, I don't think you should write a biography um, of somebody you don't like or you don't respect. Um, but um, you do find out things in a biography that um, are unanticipated and which sometimes, you know, fill you with some regret that the person didn't act a little bit better in, in that situation. And I think one of, the, one of the perspectives that I have on this is that the most important source for the last book was this woman by the name of Nancy Tuckerman who was Jackie's friend for seven decades. They knew each other in grade school and boarding school. Um, Nancy was a, a bridesmaid. She was social secretary at the White House and then an assistant um, for the rest of uh, uh, Jackie's life. And I just learned through talking to Nancy how much sacrifice was necessary in Nancy's life to keep Jackie's concept afloat. <laughs> and I'm not sure she always reflected that um, in the way she treated her friend. Um, I think probably in, in any friendship there, you know, there are power imbalances and, and sometimes things evolve over time. But, you know, I think the relationship with Nancy, um, which I found about out about through talking to Nancy, um, really made me feel that uh, Jackie could have behaved differently. She could have behaved a little bit more sensitively sometimes to her friend. And there were there were other episodes of, of, of things like that 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 made me think more critically of her with made me come at her with more detachment, I think. Right. But I think uh, very shortly after you say that, you say something about how your 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 understanding of her uh, is or your image of her is of one that is more imperfect, but also more human. And probably that's that's that in and of itself is a positive, even if it springs out of seeing somebody's weaknesses or, or failings. Well, I think we're all, you know, we're all flawed. And the problem with Jackie is that she's become such a kind of a secular saint. Um, and so many people continue to kind of idolize her and worship her. And I, you know, I understand, um, I understand what that's, what that's like. There's a lot of good in her record. I don't think, I, I think you'd have to look like, look at somebody like Eleanor Roosevelt to find somebody, somebody who was Jackie's peer, who, 
who really took intellectual issues seriously and had this second career uh, after motherhood and after the White House. So I really do respect her. Um, but uh, I think she's also human. And the more human she becomes, the more interesting she becomes. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Bill Kuhn about his latest book, which is called Jackie Stories. And in this book, uh, Bill Kuhn offers up some of the stories about Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis that, that were shared with him uh, by eight different people who knew Jackie Kennedy Onassis or worked with her, who were friends with her uh, to varying degrees. And uh, it is a fascinating book, start to finish. Bill, one of my favorite lines uh, in the book, uh, I think it comes from chapter four, when you speak to somebody who had been, I think, a writer, editor at Vanity Fair magazine, uh, you talk as, as that chapter opens about how one of the problems with trying to talk to people who were friends of Jackie Kennedy Onassis uh, is that there is a whole lot of pro-Jackie gush that tends to sort of come spewing out and kind of obliterates everything else and then a few paragraphs later you liken it to you know some of these friends seeing themselves almost like vestal virgins who are uh standing a guard uh guarding the the legacy and history and reputation of this person whom they so deeply uh admire to the point of idolization mm -hmm. um i wonder if you could just say a little more about that and the kind of challenge that that posed to you and if if you were ever able to kind of pierce through that in in when when you were talking to somebody kind of with that mindset or generally speaking was that would that be sort of a a wall that could not be broached with some people it was it was a wall that couldn't be broached i mean i got email responses from some of Jackie's colleagues who were indignant that I was writing the book to begin with. How dare you write this book about my friend because she wouldn't have wanted it written. But come on, she's one of the most important historical figures of the 20th century. She's inescapable. Of course, we're going to keep writing about her. Um, I kept wanting, you know, I kept wanting to talk to our former colleague, John Neuenschwander, who was in the history department at Carthage and who had a subspecialty in oral history, how to conduct the very kinds of interviews that I was doing. But because all my previous books had been about people who were dead, I'd never done it before. So I was trying to be a hard-nosed you know, questioner. I was trying to be Dan Rather or somebody who, you know, who really wasn't gonna take any guff and I just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> um, the t I was most successful with, I think, with, with people who I could talk to over a long period of longer period of time. But because the book was signed up and it was coming out almost within 18 months of the signature on the contract, I didn't have um, time uh, to spend on all these things. And part of what this these Jackie stories are about is my revisiting the words on paper after 10 years and sort of saying, oh, 
that's what she was saying. Oh, that's what she meant because it all went by in a rush at the at, at the time. Um, so the woman who you're talking, who mentioned it first, who was an editor at Vanity Fair, was very apparently friendly to me. Um, you know, she told me some stories. She told me about the book that they worked on. This Vanity Fair editor worked on with Jackie, which was on Fred Astaire. Um, she told me a little bit about going and working in Jackie's apartment. We spent a very pleasant hour and a half together. And I, I ended it by saying, you know, I thank you. Thank you for giving me some really good stuff. And suddenly she said, um, I haven't given you anything. And, you know, I suddenly realized it was kind of a social brass knuckle she was showing me. I'm more powerful than you. Caroline Kennedy is my friend. Uh, Carolina Herrera came to my melange party. You're nothing and I'm something. And if I was not, never going from day one to tell you all my best stuff about Jackie because that's my power and that's my prestige. And I just didn't realize that at the time. I mean, I thought she was being friendly. I thought she was being open, but it was a pretty major snub. And I only realized that going over it again, a second time with the passage of 10 years. Interesting. And of course, in, in just about every instance, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking primarily about conversations that occurred quite a few years ago. Yes. And 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 conversations that occurred for the purpose of writing a very different book from your newest book, Jackie Stories. And so I guess that it's understandable that you would be looking at these conversations in a sense through a different lens than you did when you first conducted these interviews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The book begins with the longest chapter because it is the longest span of time that we're talking about in terms of a friend of Jackie, and that is namely Nancy Tuckerman, as we've already touched on, a friend of Jackie's from girlhood, and uh, they were still friends at the time of, of, of Jackie's death. And it was also a, a relationship and friendship that underwent a number of different chapters. That is, Nancy Tuckerman played various roles in Jackie's life. Uh, and, and, and that, of course, makes it an even more fascinating uh, story. Ahead of us, just talking about a couple specifics. One of the things that you say early in the book is that some of these people that you talked to um, were as fascinating in their own right as Jackie was. And when I first read those words, I, I honestly thought, surely you jest. <laughs> cannot possibly be anybody <laughs> that you talked to in this book who would be equal to, let alone more, more uh, interesting, more fascinating than, than, than Jackie herself. Uh, and, and, you know, as I reread the context of that, I realized you're not kidding. You're not trying to make people feel good. You really believe that. And that some of these people you spoke to indeed are really, really interesting. And I suspect Nancy Tuckerman is right at the top of that list. Well, that's that's true. And I was reading one, I was reading either on your website or on the WGTV site, something about your interview with Jesse Norman at, at one point. And, you know, what a great 
kind of honor that was, but also the way that, you know, you, she actually stayed on the telephone with you for a long time and revealed quite a lot. And I'm willing to bet that if you were, say, going and doing a book on Jesse Norman yourself, you would probably find among the top 20 of her friends, people who are almost as interesting as Jesse Norman was. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the person who I was thinking of when I wrote that line was a guy by the name of Francis Mason, who had a radio show in New York, which was called, which was a ballet review show. And uh, he reviewed all the latest ballets and he was an amateur. He wasn't a ballet star. He'd come out of the foreign service and he, um, he was just attracted to, to ballet. And uh, he came to be the um, head of Martha Graham's dance company um, and a very close friend of Mar Martha Graham and George Balanchine. And um, that guy was fascinating. <laughs> He, you know, he'd been in U.S. embassies in Yugoslavia. He'd been at the Morgan Library. Jackie Kennedy was one of his friends and came to him and asked him for advice on getting a job. So, <clears throat> and what's more, he was, he took me to this club in, um, in Midtown Man Manhattan. It was the Century Club. And, uh, you know, which was originally, you know, founded for artists and bohemians in the 19th century. But I think it's no longer artists and bohemians can't afford to belong to it now. <laughs> um, and he was ill. He, he really wasn't feeling very well. And uh, he, he had a, a coughing fit that really made me worried about him and about his health. And he must have just seen that on my face. And as soon as the coughing fit stopped, without letting me say, hey, come on, are you all right? He just called the waiter over, waiter over and he said, we'll have two pieces of chocolate cake with raspberries, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was just that kind of effortlessness at making me calm down in the midst of his own kind of illness that made him such a peerless guy. Um, and I thought, well, God, if Jackie had friends like that, she was well taken care of. Mm -hmm. He has some really wonderful observations about her. And um, one of his descriptions of her is she was calm, cool, collected, and fun. <laughs> such an interesting list. You know, I mean, calm, cool, collected, often we hear that. Yeah. And then we don't often hear fun attached to the end of that. And I think it's shortly after that, that that he tells a story about her that ends with the line, Jackie could do anything. I wonder if you'd like to tell this story. I think it involves something about Jackie sitting on some stairs. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a, this was an old fashioned men's club and they had a big fight in the eighties or nineties. I don't know what about introducing female members, but female members were elected, uh, they, they decided to bring it, make it co-ed. So they brought, in, they brought in women and Jackie and Brooke Astor were among the first female members. And he walked in one afternoon 
And um, he found there's this very grand staircase in the middle of it. And he found her sitting on the staircase. He said, there, was, there she was, sitting on the steps. Only she could get away with it. Brooke wouldn't do that. Only she could do that. And she, it, it was probably some infringing of some horrible old boy's unwritten rule. Um, but she didn't give a damn about an old boy's unwritten rule. She was going to do what she wanted. Right. <laughs> you know, this, if you don't mind me mentioning another book <laughs> by somebody else, I think my favorite, one of my favorite books um, about Jacqueline Kennedy was uh, the book, I think it's Upstairs at the White House or Backstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the, by, the, by the guy who was the... Um, the chief usher. The chief uh, usher, yes. J.B. West. West. But yeah. it, it, what you are describing, it reminds me of some of what he talks about in that book in terms of the kind of first lady she was. Mm -hmm. And particularly following after Bess Truman and Mamie Eisenhower, mm -hmm. here came uh, Jackie Kennedy with a completely different way of doing the job, so to speak, yeah. of being yeah. first lady and, and yeah. of how she was going to run the White House and so mm -hmm. on. And it was just with her own rules. And sometimes sometimes we say people operate on their own rules, and we really don't mean that in very complimentary fashion. It's like somebody who just doesn't care about anybody else and just does whatever the heck they want. And I don't think that's what what uh, Mr. Mason meant, or it's not what Mr. West meant. No. And I don't think it's what you mean either. That yeah. But there's just some people where they just operate within what they feel is okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and something about when you are somebody like Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, you're allowed to do that even in the hallowed halls of the Century Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's true. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's part of who she was too, and just deciding that she could go and work for a major publisher and learn the job of being an editor um, when she had no real experience in, in it. Um, she was given lots of privileges, let's be frank. Um, nobody else would um, be allowed to do that in quite the same, in quite the same setting. But that she was willing to expose herself to all the internal snipes and, uh, grumbling that would come from her being given those privileges also set, speaks to her her bravery and her courageousness and her sense of fun. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Bill Kuhn, a former faculty colleague of mine, uh, once upon a time on the history faculty at Carthage College, and uh, the author of a previous, well, several books, but a previous book we talked about on the morning show called Reading Jackie that focused on that chapter in her life uh, in which uh, she became a book editor. That would have been the years uh, after uh, her second husband, uh, Aristotle Onassis, died. And this was a very important chapter of, of, of her life that has been very scantily uh, examined in biographies of, of, of her. And uh, so that's what Bill Kuhn's book, Reading Jackie, does a, a thorough examination of that chapter of her life. His most recent book is called Jackie Stories, in which he returns to eight of the people he interviewed for that book and shares with us uh, some of the stories that they shared, their, their impressions of, of Jackie and so on. And along the way, uh, 
we also learn a lot about what these conversations were like. That is uh, Bill Coon's conversations with these eight people. And uh, that in and of itself is quite a fascinating story. At some point in the chapter about Francis Mason, a theme emerges that emerges in uh, at least a couple of other chapters as well. And that is around the concept of class. And the misunderstandings about class, of what it means to be classy, and uh, and also kind of the reality of the classes that we have uh, in our in our culture in our society, and uh, this is really an interesting issue, and obviously a real important issue to some of the people that you you talk to. One of the things I want to be sure to ask you to expand on, Bill, is something that you. Apparently, as you had these conversations and as this theme would emerge uh, repeatedly, it got you thinking, I think, about the difference between American ideas about class versus British ideas about class. Can you just summarize what those differences are and 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 maybe connect that to the, the story we're talking about today? Well, I mean, class is 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 a concept which is um, much more explicitly referred to in British society, because the two political parties are explicitly explicitly um, kind of uh, associated with different social groups. So that the Labour Party, in its origins, was um, the party which represent represented the working man. And it, uh, the Labour Party, which was the equivalent of the Democratic Party or the party of the left in, in the states, um, explicitly said that, you know, we live in a class society and the working man doesn't have a fair, um, doesn't have a fair um, shake against these people who own capital uh, and by which they meant the Conservative Party. Um, in America, we've always shied away from any kind of frank acknowledgement of class. Um, and I think it's partly because our dream for ourselves, which is a good thing, is that social mobility is what we're all about. That you can be born a kind of a rail splitter in Illinois and you can be like Abraham Lincoln and you can become you know, president. And that's kind of a nice thing about us, that kind of optimism about ourselves, that kind of ambition about ourselves. Um, but in fact, you know, class is based uh, largely on income and um, it's a fact in, in, in this country. Um, the funny thing for me was that I, I've always assumed um, that Jackie was associated um, with a, a relatively kind of high class profile or a socially select profile in this country. She went to boarding school. She grew up with a stockbroker father. She married a very rich man. And then she married, an, married another very rich man. So, and she loved beautiful, expensive clothes. So we associate all those things with class. But then there are some moral things that we associate with class too, and that is great courage and bravery under pressure, which is what she showed, you know, during the funeral. So um, those things are kind of mixed together. 
you know, your income plus your moral behavior. And they don't always, you know, they don't always fit, um, fit perfectly together. I think one of the things that shocked me was that when I went, when I was in New York and I was talking to my editor, Nan Talese, who was from quite a classy background herself, um, not unlike Jackie's. And, you know, she was appearing every time and I met her in her office with a string of pearls that went right down to her waist. <laughs> um, and I said, you know, I want to do a chapter on Jackie in class. And she said, oh, no, you know, that would be so vulgar. <laughs> and then she giggled. <laughs> and um, I, I wasn't angry exactly, but I just thought, how blind you are to reality. <laughs> um, and I think I've always, I always thought when, you know, I was at Carthage College and, you know, we would do um, a section on Freud and Marx and Nietzsche and how they kind of changed European ideas about, uh, about society in the 19th century. Social class is a kind of a, a Marxist invention. It's, it's one of the brilliant, um, observations that he made about, about his society. And as an academic, you just kind of take that for granted, not because, you know, you want the kids to all be revolutionaries or not because you want them all to be, you know, um, uh, um, adopting Marxist philosophy, but it's just a fact that class as an important category of analysis is part of academic discourse and it has been for a hundred years. And to find Nan Talese, one of the most eminent editors in New York saying you can't use the word class, it just seems, seemed like she, had, she was an ostrich with her, her head down the, down the hole. Right, you, you write in this chapter, if you're born to privilege as both Nan and Jackie were, a key unspoken rule is you never talk about it. Yeah. That's an attribute of your class. Yeah. Go on to say, it may be not unlike white people who never talk about race as an issue. That's part of the privilege they've inherited. Yeah. They don't yeah. see it as a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, really think I, think that's, I, think that's, I think that's true. I want to build on something you were just talking about, uh, that is Nan Talese uh, telling you to please remove uh, or, or drastically alter something in your book. And I think one of the most interesting passages uh, in, in your new book, Jackie Stories, is when you uh, chronicle for us the long list of objections that Nancy Tuckerman, uh, Jackie's longtime friend, her long list of objections that she had to the first draft of your book, Reading Jackie. Um, I thought that was just so interesting. And uh, I, I wonder, you know, first of all, what was it like for you to be experiencing this kind of, let's call it interference uh, in, in something that you had written? I mean, uh, obviously, as somebody from the world of academia, you are used to peer review and other ways in which the things that you write are are very carefully scrutinized and sometimes criticized. But did this feel like a completely different experience from that? 
um, or or was this? I mean, what did this feel like compared to what you had experienced before? It felt awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, the, and how and how nice of me to ask you to relive it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, you know, the funny thing was that I was on fairly good terms with Nancy, and you know. Uh, I offered her a look at the first draft as a kind of a courtesy. And I, because I liked her, I, I thought I talked about her in terms that she would, she would like. Um, and I remembered I came back, you know, I'd been out of cell phone reach or something like that. And then suddenly a bunch of voicemails appeared on my, my, my phone at once and including one from her. And she said, Bill, I am very angry at what you have written. I'm calling Nantalese, which is, you know, the equivalent of, you know, going to the top, even before she's talked to me about, you know, whether or not we can reach some accommodations. So I really felt like, you know, the, the carpet was being pulled out from under me. But Nantalese supported me. She said, Nancy, talk to Bill and see whether or not you can't reach some compromises. Maybe he's willing to take some of that stuff out. And I did have to take some of that stuff out um, to please her and keep her on board. The fact that she died in 2018 means I can put it back in. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just curious, how did that, in, in, in some ways, um, who was Nancy Tuckerman that her approval was that important to this project? She's kind of the holy grail of, uh, of Jackie's sources. And she had not talked to many people before me. Um, she talked occasionally to Carl Anthony, who was a presidential historian, but she had not really talked to many of the, any of the, of the, of the Jackie biographers. And the fact that she'd worked at Doubleday next to Nancy meant that she knew and missed some of the people who had commissioned my book. So she was happy to hear from them again after a long silence. And when they called her and said, Nancy, would you talk to Bill? Um, she finally said yes. But she began with her cards very close to her chest and said, you know, I don't really remember very much about the books. You're gonna to have to talk to the other people about that. I might have a few anecdotes, um, but I, I just don't remember those things. And indeed, she began by sort of saying, when I said, well, you know, isn't it odd that she did five Tiffany books, five books on the history of Tiffany's, the jewelry store? Um, and she said, no, no, she didn't. And I said, yeah, I, I think I, I, I've, I've got some irrefutable facts here. Well, she said, that doesn't sound like her style at all. And then she said, she liked things of a scholarly nature. And I thought, what? Mm. <laughs> you know, because I just come from, you know, spending my whole career um, in scholarship. And there's no way that... Jacqueline Onassis is going to play the game that you and I play with scholarly journals and teaching classes and having students, because um, that's the reality of the scholarly life. Um, 
And to be sitting across from Nancy Tuckerman sort of saying, no, she didn't do Tiffany. She liked things of a scholarly nature. That was really something that I had to puzzle over and try and figure out. And that's what coming back at this after 10 years was allowing me to do. Why did she say that to me? And what did she really mean? Right. And of course, you go on to, to kind of explore the ways in which Jackie desperately wanted to be, let's say, a connoisseur yeah. of topics and so on. And in a sense, had very much a layperson's idea of, of what mm -hmm. it meant to be a, a scholar really, really interested in something, but not at all in the way that you or I or, or most yeah. academicians would, would, would use that term. Yeah. Something else that's fascinating in, the, in, this, uh, in your many conversations with, with Nancy Tuckerman is when you say that chances are the day that Jackie Kennedy came to work there, at, that was Double Day, I think, right? Yes. That that was, in a sense, an unhappy day for Nancy Tuckerman. I mean, at a glance, it doesn't seem to make sense. And yet that 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 was going to change things a lot. And 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 in terms of Nancy Tuckerman's own happiness there, uh, things changed significantly. And it's just one more example of the sacrifices that she made for the yeah. sake of her friendship with Jackie. Yeah. She, she lost some of her liberty. Um, and uh, when N N Nancy had preceded um, Jackie to Doubleday, Jackie had started out at Viking and Nancy was working as an assistant to N Nelson Doubleday, who was a man she liked. And um, wasn't he the owner of the Yankees? Um, at, that, uh, at that stage, I think he was. And he had an office in the publisher's house, but he didn't really interfere in the day-to-day -day business of publishing. Rather, he was a very rich man with lots of fingers and pies all over New York. And Nancy helped him manage that portfolio of interests and, and charities. And it was fascinating for her. Jackie loathed Nelson Doubleday. <laughs> she didn't want to have anything to do with him. And really when she came to um, Doubleday, what she wanted to happen was that um, Nancy could run interference with her for her all through the publisher and make sure that the kind of thing that happened to her at Viking wouldn't happen again. Um, they had brought out a book about Ted Ken about a Ted Kennedy figure who was going to be assassinated, and Jackie was kind of humiliated by a book reviewer. Um, in the New York Times, who sort of said anybody who's, who was say, uh, associated with this book should be ashamed of herself. Now, she hadn't written the book, she hadn't edited the book, any of those things. She was just at Viking. And what she wanted from Nancy at Doubleday was to make sure that, that wasn't going to happen again, that somebody could be looking out for her. And that's what, she, what Nancy did to a certain extent, although I don't think that, I think she was fairly well protected on her own. I think she was oftentimes sitting in, you know, sitting in an adjacent office and just working on, on Jackie's personal business. Mm. But it, she just lost some of her independence. And I think she, she regretted that. Right. Your book, as uh, we said before, actually is a bountiful uh, collection of stories about Jackie from eight different friends and colleagues and so on. 
uh, early in the book, uh, well, I'm sorry, late in the book, you uh, you talk a little bit about how as someone not at all of the class of someone like Jackie Kennedy Onassis, you, you've all, often been really envious of, of, of the life she led and, uh, you know, the, the luxuries that were a part of her mm -hmm. everyday life, mm -hmm. you know, would kind of dream about what it would be like. But you came to realize through the course of this project that the most important thing that Jackie had in her life, not any of these things, but were the people in her life. And at the beginning of the book, you say, if a collection of books is a good guide to a person's tastes and interests, then a selection of friends is a history of their affections. That's a beautiful turn of phrase. In our last two minutes or so, uh, do you come away from this examination of some of Jackie's friends with any idea of, of what this array of friends tells us about her? She liked being near people who had expertise. And I really think she warmed her hands at the expertise of her friends. And um, there were so many people uh, who were talented or accomplished, uh, whether as an art director or as a patron of the ballet or as an expert on um, the Indian subcontinent. There were so many people among her friends who were genuinely accomplished that I think in some ways um, she did achieve her goal of, of kind of connoisseurship through the means of being friends with these people who taught her so much about you know, their different areas of, uh, of expertise. Um, and I also think that uh, these were not all highfalutin, hoity-toity uh, people. Um, one of her friends who I talk about in the book is called Ruth Ansel, who was an art director, not from a, an especially um, classy uh, background, but who was very accomplished in doing covers at Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and Vanity Fair. And Ruth told me, you know, I got a, a heavy card when Jackie died that said the memorial service is going to be um, at this time, St. Patrick's Cathedral. Um, that may not be right. It may be St. John the Divine. But anyway, this is the address. This is the time of the service. And Ruth looked at it and said, well, what does this mean? Is that just an announcement? And so she called up the apartment and she got John Kennedy on the phone and um, said, John, I don't understand what this means. What am I supposed to do? And um, John said, Ruth, of course my mother wanted you to be there. It doesn't matter if you don't know what that heavy invitation means. It doesn't matter if you don't know how you're supposed to respond to it. My mother wanted you to be there. And that was just a lovely natural touch in the way that Ruth told it, suggested that Jackie had another star of a friend in her. Well, we come away certainly with a, a deeper understanding of who she was and, and what was important to her. And uh, it's, it's, it's a marvelous, marvelous work. And uh, it's available, I know, through Amazon and I suspect through other 
other means as well. And again, it's titled Jackie Stories and the author, Bill Kuhn. Bill Kuhn, what a great pleasure to reconnect with you and what a great pleasure to explore this wonderful book. Uh, thank you for writing it and thank you for joining me today on The Morning Show to talk about it. Thank you, Greg. It's lovely to see you again and to see those books behind you. I feel like I'm back in academia for a short time myself.